And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gibbs Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Welcome back. I'm back for, back for one week, at least. <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about the uh, the plan for next week on Friday. We're, we will have podcasts for you, but we, uh, we'll have a little bit of a, a change up. Um, so... Let's uh, out. Let's talk about just some of the Thunder news while I was out. I want to get your thoughts. I want to. What were your thoughts on the uh, the pick protections that finally surfaced? Yeah, uh, that was probably that was probably almost two months that it took for us <laughs> to get that information. Um, I'm glad we found out before 2029 because now we can plan a little bit better as fans. I, I it, it was what I was expecting, mm-hmm. which I think is good. Yeah, top five it, protected on the on the Denver pick. If you're top if you five don't know what we're talking about, rolls over to a second year. Yeah, um, you know I think from OKC's perspective, the value is pretty obvious just because of the glut of 24 picks and everything else. But what yeah. I think is interesting is how many teams in the NBA do you think would take that? Like, wh- how many teams would take each side of that deal? in a in a vacuum you know like where it's it's not specific to okc you maybe don't have three other 2024 picks yeah how many teams would take each side of that deal because i actually think more teams would take okc side than denver side yeah even though denver gets two extra picks you know they get the two extra seconds but they do get that 24 pick i think you could make a case for teams that don't have a 24 pick you know, a team like Dallas, for instance, you know, like maybe they would rather have the immediate yeah. gratification. T- t- teams that either have pressure or are going are trying to win now with like limited resources, but, like Phoenix. But at the same time, it. yeah, I think of it like this: like a team like Milwaukee seems like an obvious one. Like, oh, they would probably want something sooner so that they could, you know, bring someone in. Mm-hmm. But what's the realistic chance that the person they're going to bring in is going to matter for this era of Giannis? It's probably pretty low. Pretty low. And would it actually be more valuable for them to have a pick far out? They could actually trade for yeah. a rotation player that could help now. So I, I don't know. I just think that OKC's side of the deal is clearly 
better. More upside, certainly. Yeah. It's more upside, but it's also more flexibility. Yeah. Because that 2024 pick expires in a year from now, Mm -hmm. less than a year from now. That 2029 pick, whether they use it or not, whether it ends up as the 30th pick in the 2029 draft, will have value as a trade asset from now until then. But but really even thinking about like the next two to three years where there's going to be some mystery about you know where that pick's going to land, that, that pick's going to have value as yeah. a lightly protected future first. And so I just, I just think that these types of deals are incredible and I, I hope they make more of them. I pointed out on Twitter that for all the talk about OKC you know, and Sam Presti collecting all these first round picks, you know, most people have focused on the the Clippers deal with PG mm-hmm. and the Rockets deal with Russ. Yeah. But since then, let's leave those aside. Mm-hmm. Presti has acquired three lightly protected first. Yeah. Totally separate from Westbrook, totally separate from Paul George. The the one he got from Philly, which is top six protected, yeah. and then declines. That was for taking on Al Horford. Mm-hmm. You got the uh the Miami pick, which isn't technically one of these mm-hmm. but it could potentially be in that second year obviously the two denver picks which are both top five protected none of those cost him like anything really mm-hmm. like when you think about what lightly protected future first typically cost i mean i every single 29 pick that has been traded it's been in a trade for an all-star yeah Wow. Like the, the 29 Phoenix pick was mm-hmm. for KD, obviously. Yep. The 29 Dallas pick was for Kyrie. Um, there's a few more. Like the Gobert is one of those. They were all traded for All-Stars. Presti's making these deals by either just taking on money or trading picks. And I, I just think that that's like one of the most impressive parts about this whole rebuild. That he's not just – he hasn't just restocked their cupboard. Because we always talked about during the KD Russ era where like once we got to the end – it's not like they had any extra picks. You know, they didn't yeah. have a plus of picks at that point. They actually, I guess they were negative because they had traded out some of their own first in the Cantor and, and Waiters deals. Right. And they didn't have like a ton of first coming in from other teams. So he's not just replenished the asset base, but he has steadily increased the value of those picks as well. Yeah. Like we're not talking about them just having a ton of lottery protected future first. Mm-hmm. What this is. These are highly valuable future first. I mean, think about what's going on right now between Portland and Miami. Mm-hmm. And the idea of like, well, we could get a first for Tyler Hero and then trade it to you when we all kind of know like it probably wouldn't be a lightly protected first. It'd probably be a lottery protected or like first. Top 10 protected or something like that. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. And meanwhile, OKC is collecting these picks that are like top five or top six protected and that roll over into multiple years. Mm-hmm. Because that Houston pick, for as much as we love those picks and we love that trade, like if you don't get them in the first year, it's done. They're like gone. You, yeah, you, you missed your chance. Mm-hmm. So to have these, the two Denver picks, and also that Philly pick, which I think goes further than two years. I think it's like three or four years. Um, and the Jazz pick, which isn't a top five protected, but that one also rolls over multiple years and steadily improves. I just think that's been like one of the most impressive aspects of this rebuild on the asset side. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense, and also. It, it'll give them flexibility in the future with whatever the team is. Let's say like this team has a lot of success and they want to just play together, you know, plus or minus, you know, a bunch of these guys that are on the team. But let's like the core of like Chet, Giddy, 
J-Dub, Shea. Like if that group, you know, plus or minus one is like the the team, they could still be playing in 2030. And if they are, to have multiple firsts in that year would is kind of insane. That <laughs> you could possibly have multiple first round picks in like 29 or 30 is wild to think about because that's the time where you really need those assets. And yeah, I mean, it, it's and, wild to think about that Chet will be 27, I believe, in that season, and Josh will be 26. Yeah, like just entering their primes. Yeah, that pick feels so far away. Feels so far. And 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 I don't even think it's worth like trying to imagine what that pick is going to be because like it doesn't matter. We do this every time. Like everyone did it with the Houston when they traded with Brooklyn. Oh yeah. They're like, well, those are all going to be late first. Oh uh, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. But yeah, like stuff changes. That's six years away, and so I don't even think it really matters because I think just having a lightly protected first for these next couple years as a trade asset mm-hmm. is worth it alone. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I wouldn't like. Yes, Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA, and he is on the team that that pick is for. Mm-hmm. So you would assume that it's not going to be a great pick. But mm-hmm. it's so far away that I like don't even factor that in right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at it as lightly protected first. It has juice. It has upside. That's all I juice. want. It could be anything, and it will come at a time that should be like the the true prime of like this team, which is crucial because those are the times where it's like hey we man you know what you need you know what you have and you know what you don't have and it's like man we really need a a wing or we need another big or we need a a backup point guard or we need whatever and if you have two first round picks you can go you can go get those whatever it is you can go get whatever that player is you can go get it with those and that's that was the problem with the thunder is that they just didn't have that much to spend and it was like well we could get Randy Foyt or we could get, you know, we did. And we did, you know, you can pick up Derek Fisher off the scrap heap. You know, we're, I mean, I was so excited about Derek Fisher, but if you have two firsts, I mean, think about like rotation players were going for like multiple seconds at the deadline. If you spent two firsts, you could get like a real player. Well, just honestly having any first that isn't your own yeah. because you look at what Milwaukee has done, and I think these have been good deals, obviously. They won a championship. But like they had to give a lot of their own assets up in that Drew Holiday deal. And now they are at a point where their their picks in the future are just starting to come online that they can trade again. Yeah, They didn't have extra picks from other teams available to them. It's feasible with how far out these picks are that OKC is going to be able to make those types of significant trades without even giving up their own assets. <laughs> Yeah, and then true. still have those if they really need them. Yeah, and be able, yeah, be able to add young talent to the, like the back end of the roster to develop, mm-hmm. and whether they work or not is you know becomes more of like a yeah whatever. Like if like you'll have well, a re- uh, hey uh, yeah whatever for us. Apparently for everyone else, we're about to get crucified, Andrew. Dude. Whenever we cut our 16th player, oh, they're ready to pounce. They're ready to. They pounce. are ready to pounce. Well, I was trying it's so. I was on the low post yesterday and I was trying to get Zach to tell me who the player is that is so valuable. And if you noticed when I, when I said, who is it? Like, who is, who's the player that, that is like the most valuable that could get cut 
first he asked me about Poku and I said no. And then he immediately went to the next segment <laughs> because there's really not. I mean, it's honestly, it would be Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think is probably the most valuable player that could be cut. Um, and like, look at what the Knicks just did. The Knicks traded a lottery pick from just a couple years ago for one second. Yeah. For one second. Yeah. And everyone's freaking out about OKC potentially having to waive a second round pick <laughs> that like that have not been good in the NBA. Like that, that's another important part of this. Like as yeah. much as we love Trey Mann, like Obi Toppin is way more accomplished in the NBA than Trey Mann. Way more accomplished in the NBA than Jeremiah Robinson. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, Definitely. and the idea that we are supposed to freak out if like one of these guys gets waived is so insane to me. Well, and they're probably going to trade them. Like if it's if it is Trey Mann, they're probably going to just trade him. You know, for yeah. something, for a second. Well, you yeah, know. what if they got the same return that the Knicks got for Obi Toppin? Is that good enough for people? <laughs> it is weird. God. It is weird. Like the Keith Smith tweet about you know, multiple teams are ready to pounce. And then, like, people bringing that up, I'm like, okay, great. Cool. Who do you want? Who do you want so bad? And tell, who do you want so bad that you're actually going to give minutes to? Well, like, he starts bringing up, like, Poku or Aaron Wiggins or those guys. I'm like, that's not happening. So, tell me who, like, actually tell me who it is. Because yeah. the guys that people are bringing up are not getting waived. And if, and let, and I'm not saying that, like, Aaron Wiggins is for sure on this roster that's going to happen. They would trade him. So it's not... And they would get an asset for him. So it, it's it's not... The way that people are thinking about it is just so wrong. And people think, like, well, they have to clear spots. And the only people, the only way that people think that they can clear a spot is just by waving them. It's like, no, they're probably going to trade them. If they have any value whatsoever, they're going to trade them. You know, Ty Ty Washington may get waived, but and Oladipo may get a buyout. But Ty Ty Washington, Usman Gruba, who two consecutive teams have given up picks to get off of their contracts. Yeah. Oh, yes. The the, the teams are circling. The vultures are out ready to pounce. (laughs) I think Gruba is going to have a chance. I hope. Like, here's my deal with the end of the roster. I want to flip it and say that there are like 12 to 13 guys that I am heavily invested in on this team. Yeah. Heavily invested. Like guys that I am so excited about their NBA futures or at least committed to mm-hmm. for the for the next year. And I say 13 because uh, I have added Poku at the end. Wow. After doing, after doing some research last night uh, for something that we're going to talk about later, uh, <laughs> I've decided to add Poku back on my There's, list. I, yeah. I, I can't give it up yet. Yeah, I can't uh, either. But so, so if there are 13 guys that I like believe in, okay, so now I'm talking about the 14th and 15th spots on the <laughs> roster. And like, do I really care? Do I really believe that someone from the 14th, 15th spot on this roster with the amount of players that we think deserve minutes that is even at a more heightened level than it was last preseason? Like there's just so many guys that we think deserve like 20 to 25 minutes at least a night. Yeah. Do I really believe that someone's going to come all the way back? Because I think about Trey Mann, for instance, who was great in summer league. Great. I think about what happened with Isaiah Joe last year. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Joe 
comes out of kind of nowhere. Like we weren't really expecting him to make a significant impact on this team last year. Mm-hmm. And he did. And so on the one hand, you could say, well, that why not? Why couldn't that happen to Trey Mann this year? And it could. Okay. But what had to happen for Isaiah Joe to do that? He didn't just come in and shoot, you know, 36% from three, 37% from three, which would have been fine. Like that would have been nice. Yeah. But I bet if he'd done that, he would not have stuck in the rotation. The reason he stuck was because he was nuclear from three. Yeah. He was shooting like 45% when he started off, and he ended at over 40% for the season. Like Trey Mann, if he's going to seriously impact this rotation, he can't just come in and be solid. Like he would have to come in and kind of blow the doors off. Yeah. He'd have and to the be chances like, of he'd that have happening. To be the true sixth man of the team. Yeah. And for that to happen, the chances of that happening for him or for any of the other guys at the end of the bench just feels so like, like the chances that are so small this season yeah. because of everything else going on. I mean, now Isaiah Joe's someone who we just assume is going to get minutes because why wouldn't you give Isaiah Joe minutes? And for someone to beat him out of that spot, either he's going to have to have a pretty significant regression back from shooting three, from shooting the three, or someone else is going to have to come in and be even better from three than Isaiah Joe was. Like, be even more helpful for this team immediately out of the gate than Isaiah Joe was last year. Yeah. So the point is, I just can't get too hung up. I, th- I think there's a valid argument to make for keeping any two of the guys at the end of the roster. Sure. Even yeah. someone like Oladipo. And that was my point with talking about Oladipo on Twitter. Not that like he would be my choice, yeah, but just that I don't think the difference between keeping Oladipo and keeping one of these other guys at the end of the bench is really that different. Because Oladipo, while he doesn't offer any value on the court because he's recovering from injury, as a nine-point whatever expiring contract that you could potentially flip at the deadline for literally whatever. Mm -hmm. Like what is more likely that the 15th or 14th guy on this roster is going to play well enough where they either seriously break into this rotation and raise their trade value or break into the rotation to the point where you want to keep them on this roster going forward. Or is it more likely that Presti could flip Oladipo's expiring contract for money that goes into next year for something? Yeah. I could, yeah, I, I think that we will see where the value is on that expiring because I do think there, there could be some potential there. And, and if you're just looking at like uh, one for one deals, I did look it up. Like there's not a ton. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will be honest. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of guys in that range that also go into next season yeah. who would, and also are on a team that might be wanting to shed salary yeah. where it makes sense. Like someone, for instance, like Larry Nance Jr. Yeah. That would be a, and I'm not talking about him like as a player, but yeah. just as like a contract that goes into next season on a team that is probably trying to, probably wanting to shed Where money you going get forward. get like an unprotected second to take him or something. Yeah, like something like that. Uh, I'm looking at some of these other guys here. Anything here? Not a lot. Pat Connaughton for the Bucks, like someone who maybe they'd want to shed. I don't know if they have a ton of picks. Yeah. If but, Nance or Connaughton are healthy, I do think they would help. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, but but that that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about if they did decide to keep Oladipo. Like if, if for some reason that happened, I don't think people should freak out. Mm-hmm. Like I think there will be potential options. Devontae Graham goes into next season. Again, not someone that I'm like thinking about for Thunder on the court, 
But if they could get some type of asset out of it, yeah. again, it's like, what is more likely to happen? That someone just has Isaiah Joe 2.0 this year on this roster mm-hmm. that's even more congested than what it was last year, or that Presti is able to use that Oladipo contract to get something else again, like he has always done. Well, and so, the fact that we have Kaysen Wallace and uh, Mitzich. Mitzich. Then uh, that's why I just don't think that there's not going to be the opportunity. I mean, I can promise you. I can, I mean, I don't know this 100%, but I can, I feel it on my bones that like Ty Ty is not going to wear a Thunder jersey, <laughs> you know? Feel it in your bones. Hey, you know who also goes into, uh, not next season, but the season after? Hmm. Marvin Bagley. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> that would be hilarious if Detroit had to pay the Thunder <laughs> picks to take Marvin Bagley's contract. Oh uh, Steven Adams. What, what if, what if he's still injured and Memphis, you know, they just gave Bain all that money trying to sh- set, shed some salary. Maybe they're ready for the triple J small ball center. We could bring Steven Adams back for the home stretch of his career. Yeah. That, I mean, that would be amazing. If, if Steve-O was like the backup center for this team, yeah, that'd be great. I would. I mean, that would actually be very who, cool. Who wouldn't want that? Who? 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 He's only thirty. That's right, but he's an old thirty. <laughs> he's very old thirty. <laughs> he was thirty-five years ago. <laughs> yeah, because he he was a legit eighteen when he came into the league, right? Yeah, he was so young. Remember how skinny he was? I remember just thinking. My, I had Anthony Slater on for like the first time ever. Slater and I had never met, and I had him on the show just because I saw that he got a job with the Oklahoman. And I asked him over under 100 NBA minutes for Steven Adams in his rookie season, and Slater took the under. <laughs> he thought he was going to uh, be on the blue. Uh, so actually, Steven Adams was 20 in his rookie season. Really? So, uh, well, I mean, yeah. I guess he did play a year at Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Which makes which makes his age make less sense. Uh, when's his birthday? Let's see here. July 20th. Okay, 20th. so not even... Uh, yeah. Okay. Nope. So it's not even like he turned 20 in the middle of the season. So, uh, yeah, so he's just... No, he's just a normal-aged rookie. <laughs> normal-aged guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. he's almost at 20,000 minutes. He'll probably, if he's healthy, he'll get to 20,000 minutes yeah. this season. Great career. Great career. Great career. Yeah, very good. Hopefully he can play more. But as like if he I think if he does want to have like a longer career, he needs to be more of a backup. And if he if he'd be an awesome backup center. Yeah. Would, and, yeah. and he's uh, obviously like he brings so much else to a team culture and Oh yeah. than just his on-court contributions. Yeah, no question. Yeah, that Um great. okay, so it, who do you think is going to be the guy that people freak out about? when OKC inevitably, because they're probably, even if they do trade some of these guys, there probably is going to be someone eventually that they do just waive. Maybe. And in the same way that they waived Isaiah Roby and there were tweets uh, about that back in the day. Who is going to be that player? Do you think it will be someone like JRE? You think JRE would, is, is enough to get people excited in that way? I mean, people could be like, well, they, you know, they traded... You know, two picks to get Jeremiah Robinson Earl on draft night, and then they're just letting him go. They're cutting him loose. Yeah, I mean that would be the one that I think other uh, other could be like that. I mean, for like other candidates, I mean, honestly, 
I mean, Ty Ty Washington, like I said, could be cut, and people could be like, wow, they're giving up an opportunity on this, you know, guy who's only had one year of experience and Kentucky guard. I mean, maybe him. Yeah, we're we're kind of protected from that by the fact that both Houston and Atlanta also yeah, yeah, uh, gave up on him, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jack White thing is interesting to me. I don't really understand it because a lot of people had assumed that he would make less than 75000 and they could just make him a, a two-way player, but they can't do that because he's making a lot more than that. Yeah. And so I had said on the low post, too, that they would bring him back as a two-way, but I've been told by John Hamm and multiple other people that that cannot happen. So I understand it a lot less now. Yeah. Unless he's like actually really good. And if Jack White is good and they want to make him a part of the team, then like there will be more interesting guys that will be cut probably or traded. Yeah. Maybe that would, maybe that would indicate that like Trey Mann would just get traded, you know, for a second round pick onto somebody's roster. And here's the other thing about Trey, which I have been thinking about is like, when we think about guys we want to keep, we're solely focused on like OKC's perspective. Yeah. But if you flip it around from like Trey's perspective, like honestly, what would be the best for his career? To not is be it to, here. To, is it to be the 15th man on this team? No, it's not. Like if he, if he was on the Bucks, he'd probably be their best young player. Like it, it'd be between yeah. him and Bochamp. Yeah. So he's either their first or second best young asset right out of the gate. The second he steps foot on the court, he is their first or second best young asset. Yeah. Period. Or like trade him to Charlotte and he would like come off the bench and No, be, no, you can no. Be, Do not send him to Charlotte. No. They already why? have Nick Smith Jr., they have Amari Bailey, they have a Lamello Ball. He's better than he's better than Amari Bailey and Were you about Smith to say Lamello? And he's so much better than Lamello. No. <laughs> no, I think he's better than like all of their just like Charlotte has done such a good job of finding the worst guards in the first round. They've done an impeccable job of finding the guards that are just not good at all in the first round and bringing them to their team. It's a, it's unbelievable. Honestly, Nick Smith jr. Was so bad in summer league. Uh, yeah, he was, I'm trying to see, cause I'm thinking like an older team that just like has no young talent, that it would just be honestly a team like the Raptors. Uh, I wouldn't hate a, a Trey going to. But they need they need guards. I mean, yeah, in a in a real way, they need guards. Uh, I mean, the Heat they gave away uh, two guards, or they let you know those guys walk. Yeah, I would I would like to see Trey with a good team. like Could that. he be their Dame replacement if if the trade never gets finalized? Hey, you could talk yourself into it in a real psychotic way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've just been thinking about that. Like if, if you were Trey man, like what would you think would be the best for your career? Like, do you think, do you, does he feel like there's a realistic path to breaking into this rotation? I mean, in some ways probably yes, because he knows that this team will go now this year, it's going to be 18 deep. Like we probably will see minutes for all 18 guys if they fill up their two way spots. Um, but on the other hand, like the road is going to be tough, yeah, for him to honestly break into that guard rotation. If mm-hmm. he was a big, and that's why I'm like more open to Usman Garuba, where yeah. it's like, who knows? Like maybe if he did come in and gave them something that they haven't had, 
you know, just like a big physical body, he could kind of compete with Jay Will. And like maybe he would get some minutes by the end of this season. Yeah. It's just hard for me to imagine with some of these guards, especially if you consider like if they really did bring back Lindy Waters as a two way. Yeah. Like they trusted Lindy more than Trey last year. Yeah. Like they played Lindy a lot last year. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine they'd continue to play Lindy as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. That's why, like, if they do move on from someone like Trey, it, it will hurt a, a part of the fan base because we have seen the flashes. But I do think there's a point where you kind of like got to let those guys try to make it somewhere else. Yeah. And, I, and, and if that if that is the way they decided to go, it wouldn't like I, I would understand it. Yeah, that would make the most sense to me. And he and he'd have a chance to like have a real career, I think. Yeah, for sure. But I think when you're investing in the guard position with so many other guys, that it just it just makes it tough. Garuba is pretty young still. Like he's like basically the same age as like Chet and Jay Will. He's a little he's like a few months older than Giddy. It's like he's still pretty young. So there's still a little bit of a runway for for Garuba to have a chance to make it in the league. I don't know. I would. I mean, they're going to give all these guys a shot in camp. Uh, yeah. And it's not like Garuba's numbers were like anything to write home about. I mean, he played 12 minutes a game on a really bad Houston team, scored three points and four boards. <laughs> you know, like it's pretty cool. Uh, let's do that per 100 though. Per 100 possessions. Ooh, 11 and 15. 11, three 15, assists, three, steals, two. One and a half blocks. <laughs> the assist to turnover wow. ratio is is not ideal, but, you know, something to work on. He shot 40% um, from three on yeah. 59 threes. 59 threes. Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. good. Uh, anything else about the Thunder that we haven't discussed or anything that interests um, you about the league in general before we get to our... Well, we, we haven't talked about the arena. Yeah? You have thoughts? Um, I was just very... Uh, I was pleased with the presentation. Yeah. Um, because, a, as you know, I wasn't thrilled with the initial rollout um, just because there wasn't... There weren't any details yet, and so it was basically just like hey if we don't do this you're going to lose the team which i'm not a fan of that messaging <laughs> i mean that wasn't exactly what yeah, yeah. the mayor it did said feel that way that is it. that is what i heard yeah it did feel that way a little bit and without any details it was just like oh my gosh okay come on <laughs> one part of that was just because like i don't know if i believe that like yeah. you look at a team like new orleans who i believe is a smaller tv market and they have an older arena and for as much as national people have talked about them relocating over the last, you know, five to ten years, mm-hmm. you have never heard one peep about that actually being a possibility. Yeah. And so yeah. if like New Orleans isn't moving, like, why is OKC moving? But all that said, when we finally got the details at the what was that? Was that a state of the city address? State of the city. Yeah. There were several things that got me excited. One is that the team is uh, investing they're chipping in yeah as part of the overall bill two is that the overall bill is legit like one billion yeah. i was slightly concerned that they would have to like cut corners you know you, you're because you remember when they built the ford center and 
it did not feel like we were getting like a state of the art arena. We were just getting an arena. We were getting an up to date new arena. It felt like a stock arena. Yes, yes, a stock arena. But it didn't feel like we were we were pushing the envelope in any way. Yeah. And they've had to upgrade it in several ways and it is now much nicer than it was initially. Yeah. But a billion dollars, like that's in Oklahoma. It's going to get you an like, arena. A real that could one. potentially be very, very cool. So that excited me. And the fact it. that it was so high yeah. and the team is investing makes me think that the team is actually contributing like a decent amount. Yeah. Um, the fact that they are not having to do a, I mean, I guess I, it is a new tax and that they are extending it, but they are not increasing it yeah. in any way. It's just a continuation of the existing maps tax. And, and they've done that since 93. So it's not, they've done that since it's not like yeah, this so is a not, new thing. Like this has just been a part of everybody's life for a very long time. Yeah. So like that made me feel good about it. Um, and then the location, like I kind of always expected that's where it was going to be, mm-hmm. but there was a part of me that was worried like, Oh, we're going to move it like outside the city where there's some more land or something or like South of downtown or something like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's right there because I think the game day experience is enhanced by having scissor tail park right there. Yeah. And you can go before the game, especially sure. when it's nice out and you can like get a burger at sparks and yep, you can spark. walk right to the game. Yeah. I think that adds to the game day environment. And yeah. so I'm glad that they're keeping it right in that central location. Yeah. So all in all, I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm very positive about the whole deal. Yeah. It, it, it made you, and there were questions from people that probably don't know what they're talking about with regards to the arena and in regards to like the thunder staying here. But after hearing the mayor talk about it, you feel really good and you feel like it's, this is going to happen. Like this is yeah. inevitably going to happen. And I, I hope because of the amount of money it is that they can really invest in like design slides and like, and like, and like, slides. Make, like give it like true, like Oklahoma character, you know, I just, uh, what would you, what would you like? You know, I don't know. Just make, you that, want some scissor tail fly catchers? So many real ones. Tail. What if we had a? Are they called arboretums, where the birds are, or is that a that is, is that a tree thing? That sounds tree. Uh, yeah, that's that's tree thing. Um, what what is it called? Someone tell me in the comments. What's it called when you got a bunch of birds in a thing? I went to the zoo. They have one. Birdatorium. A birdatorium. Yes, they they should have a birdatorium <laughs> in the stadium that you can walk through. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be cool. I don't know. I just want it to look unique on the outside. You think you think about the new arenas that have been built, like the Kings Arena. Yeah. Um, where it just like it just looks really cool from the outside. Yeah, it it could this could be a uh, a statement building in the same way like the Devon Tower was yeah. when that was finally completed. Like yes. In terms of changing the skyline. Yes. Obviously this isn't going to be that tall. Although think about that. Maybe they should consider that. <laughs> Hey, who's done that? Who's made hey. a vertical arena? <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, but I do think like the image of OKC is, is going to change as a result of this arena. Yeah. Um, so they do have a real opportunity design-wise to make Yeah. Cool. No, I think they should take it. I think it could be a really cool... Aviary. Know. Aviary is what it's called. Aviary. Birds. Okay. Yeah, I think it's... And it's just a, an opportunity for growth for the city in general. Because I do think that 
there are a lot of bands that won't come and play at the Paycom, and there's a lot of people that just won't come through Paycom just because of the way the sound is set up. Um, yeah. And I think they have an opportunity there to make, obviously they're going to make this for an NBA team, but they're going to make it like multifunction. And so I think you'll probably get better concerts. I think you'll have opportunities for potentially the all-star game down the road too. Obviously we need more hotels and more infrastructure in Oklahoma city to make that work. But I think in a decade that could be possible. And just like think about having the NBA all-star game in Oklahoma city. I think that the, this arena would make it possible right now. I just don't even think it's possible to make it work. The one thing I would recommend, this is literally all I would want from a new arena because they do it in Portland. And I think it's so great is that they have local restaurants in the arena. Yeah. As like the eateries. Yeah. Um, and so like something like uh, like Empire Pizza, you know, would have like yeah. set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what's 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 the ice cream place that's right there? Roxy's. I almost said Edna's. Edna. <laughs> what if Edna's was in the arena serving that would also, boxes? That would also be cool. I think people would very much like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but having like that kind of local flavor, I think really adds to the arena because if you're a visitor, like when I go to the Moda Center where the Blazers play, mm-hmm. it's like Portland is encapsulated in that arena. Yeah. Like you get to sample all of these cool restaurants that exist in Portland yeah. when you're at the game, which is very cool. That is cool. If you get a macaroni pony from the mule at the game. Ooh, ooh, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, that would be very cool. Now, I will say, I do like their like budget burger. <laughs> Every time I go is all I get. Really? Where, where you just get a burger and fries and it's 10 bucks and it's, it's just very reasonable. Yeah. It's not like it's the greatest burger I've ever had, but it's very, it's good. Yeah. Okay. I enjoy it. And it only cost me 10 bucks. So yeah. keep that. Yeah. That's Definitely not too bad. The way that Utah does their food, they have a lot of local places too. Yeah. I don't know if I like it, but you, you have to order on the, on the app or like on like the online. And then you go pick it up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you go pick it up, but you, you can't. Like order from the counter and pay for it from the counter, which okay. I thought was really weird, and made I, I was like I I just I, I want that like can you can I, can you make that for me? And they're like, no, you have to do it on the app. Oh, weird. So what are we? But then you go here? back to that same counter to pick it up. <laughs> yes. Could yeah. can you pay extra for delivery to your seat? I think there is a delivery service That'd be within cool. it too, which is kind of cool. Just get lunch boxes delivered to me at my seat. <laughs> lunch boxes uh, and macaroni. Well, I, ponies. I do think though, this would be this new arena would be such a huge moment for OKC mm-hmm. because it always feels like, and this is going back to like when I moved to Oklahoma, like in the early nineties, mm-hmm. where like the city's just like always trying to keep up and like desperately trying. To, to just like get a, a little bit ahead so they can get to the, like that next tier of city. And th- that was the thing with uh, building the Ford Center. Like they built it before they even had a team. You know, it was just like kind of hoping that like eventually there will be a team to fill this mm-hmm. and it will all make sense to be able to do something proactively like this where it's like we're putting our stamp on the city now. Like yeah. we've gotten to the place where we can build our own arena and like we're changing the city, we're not having to like 
hope and wait in any way. Like we're getting to define what this city is going to look like yeah. without any outside influence. I think that's a huge deal. I mean, you were probably referencing Bill Simmons talking <laughs> about the idea of like a crazy billionaire coming in and trying to buy the like way overpay for the team yeah. and then move them. And like this type of action, I feel like is just a big like siren to the rest of the the league. Like, no, this is this is what OKC is going to be. We're deciding our own future. Yeah. Also, think yeah. about who the owner is. Like the, the the face of at least the face of the ownership group is Clay Bennett. Yeah. Who worked his tail off just to get the Hornets here for two seasons. Right. And then got his group together to go buy the Sonics. You think that guy who worked so hard to get basketball in Oklahoma City was just going to sell it because a lot of money came his way? The dude's got a ton of money as is. Like he doesn't he, what what he doesn't need is just like tons more money. You know, like that's, or like tons of vitriol and his legacy like kind of forever tarnished in Oklahoma. Exactly. That would have I mean, he would have undone all the goodwill. And that's he, why I like never bought the fear tactics. It, I understand why that's like I understand why that's said because there are examples in the past, but I just always felt like the there are unique aspects to OKC's situation that were going to prevent that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um okay. You want to talk about the rebuild and replenish Hall of Fame? Uh yes, yeah. so we have a new segment for the summer. Uh, th- that is absolutely stolen from Rights to Ricky Sanchez. Yep. Great NBA podcast for the Sixers. When they got done with the process, kind of came out of those four years, they did a uh, process Hall of Fame, just kind of enshrining some of the classic moments, players, events of that period. Yep. And I wanted to do the same for these last two years. Now, it's very funny that we've gotten to this point and we're really only talking about two seasons of basketball I know. from I which know. to pull moments. In the moment, though, it felt like we were a part of something that was going to be a long, especially that first season. It did. Like It felt like we were in for the long haul. There are going to be fans who uh, become fans of this team in the next couple of years because they're going to be a young, fun team. And those fans yeah. might not remember because they weren't fans at the time those two years the rebuild and replenish years so for this segment which we're going to do every week during the summer we're going to uh induct two moments into the hall of fame now i told andrew that i think the moments need to be as specific as possible yeah so you don't want to just induct a player. You want to induct something specific about that player, like maybe mm-hmm. a conversation the fan base was having about that player or a specific period that that player played. It could be something unrelated to the team, you know, something about the fan base. It could be something uh, about this podcast or other podcasts, um, just like the most important moments and memories from that two-year period. And by the way, going forward, if you'd like to make some suggestions... Uh, you can always message us on Twitter if there are things you want to make sure yeah. are not lost to the sands of time. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. Uh, and we will take those into consideration. So, uh, Andrew, should I should I start with mine? Yeah. Okay, you are frozen. <laughs> FYI. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. It's okay. So, my first inductee into the Rebuild and Replenish Hall of Fame 
is pre G League rookie Poku. <laughs> pre G League rookie Poku. Now you have to remember we're coming off of the CP3 year, yeah, which was you know big surprise. They end up being the five seed. They go to the playoffs, take it to seven games. It's very exciting. Meanwhile, like at the beginning of that season, we had kind of already like mentally prepared for a rebuild. Because, you know, PG gets traded, Russ gets traded. We were ready mentally, but that team led by CP3 clearly wasn't ready. And so we had kind of forgotten about it. Those first couple weeks of rookie Poku were like, um, (laughs) it was like a wake up call. It was like once and finally letting us know like, okay, we are firmly in a rebuild now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> watching Poku in those what turned out to be those first 17 games before he got sent down to the G League, it was like, okay, this is something totally different than we experienced last year. Because remember the beginning of the CP3 year, we were still talking about tanking. And yeah. like, okay, they'll eventually trade CP3. And like, this is all going to end up that way. Watching those first couple weeks of rookie Poku, that was when I feel like the rebuild really took shape when you really recognize like this is something totally different and I'm going to read off his stat line for those first 17 games while also saying that I don't think this stat line truly captures what the experience was like. Yeah. Um, because he was already like this mystery man that, you know, we, we weren't, it wasn't like there was a ton of film. We watch on synergy going into that draft about oh what's what's your water sound like how many teams if you watched that version of poku would have given that player 17 minutes in the nba it was a very special time (laughs) his stat line 3.3 points per game 3.5 rebounds 1.2 assists on 25 18 N.A. shooting. An N.A. shooting because he did not take a free throw in his first 17 (laughs) games. He shot 25% from the field, 18% from three. He actually started his career two of 21 from the field. And uh, it wasn't just the stats. Like, he he was bad. He He was not ready to play in the NBA. Yeah. But it was... The fact that he was a clearly bad NBA player who was trying everything. Like, it's common to see a guy come in the NBA and struggle at the start. Those players are usually not trying to do like fancy up and under moves or like crazy behind the back passes. And that was what made Poku so special. Like, he was bad and that was okay. He was a rookie who did not have a ton of competitive basketball experience. But it was like the extra stuff that made it so special. Yeah. It was seeing this guy who clearly wasn't ready, but who clearly had like, even if the, t- the final form of his skill wasn't there, in his head it was there. Like he knew the fancy stuff he wanted to do from the jump and was willing to try it from the jump. And the Thunder were willing to let him try it from the jump. And so as a result, you just got this like beautiful you know, two to three week period where it was just unfiltered Poku every night. You never knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And it was genuinely fun. And he made, made Shaqton a fool. 
very, very he early did. on. And I have that clip right here. Oh, really? Moves the ball so well. He's making now six straight starts, but over the five games that he has started, that time Roby sniffed out. That's not it. That's not the clip. <laughs> that was just a standard play. Why? We were watching Why? some Poku defensive rotation. I, went, I, I swear I just downloaded the Shaq in a fool clip, but it did not come up. Oh, that makes me so mad. Um, I have it somewhere. I'll, I'll bring it up here in a minute. Um, okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. One, one thing I did want to bring up, though, is that while it was bad, those first uh, 17 games, do you remember... Our first experience watching Poku in a Thunder jersey. Because I did not remember this. Um, I, I don't know that I do. In preseason? So it was, yeah. They, so they had preseason that year. And remember, that was the year that the season started on the 26th. Yeah. Uh, because we were like right in the middle of COVID. They had three preseason games. Poku comes out in his first game against the Spurs. Goes 14-8-2 and two in 23 minutes, 4 of 8 from 3. I completely forgot that. And I can only imagine how insanely excited we were. We were very excited. After watching that preseason game. Especially like coming, like we're in the middle of the pandemic. We haven't watched any basketball for a while. Especially like Thunder basketball. And then there's this like mystery guy. He comes out in that first preseason game. Shoots 4 of 8 from 3, 14-8-2. and two. And like in his next games, he was solid too. Like he was seven, seven, two and two. He was twelve and thirteen with one assist and two steals and two threes. 
he was surprisingly good in that preseason, which I just like completely blacked out. I do not remember any of that. <laughs> I do remember that. I do. And then for it. him to, by the way, a preseason that TJ Leaf was also playing in, something oh, I also forgot. TJ Leaf. But yeah, Rough. so so then he comes into the season and he has these 17 games. Now, the the great part of the story is that he goes to the G League, he comes back, and in those final 28 games, he's just like a normal bad rookie. Yeah. With some like serious flashes. Like his stat line in those final 28 games, 11, 5 and almost 3 assists per game. Yeah. Now he shot 37% from the field, he shot 32% from 3. He did start taking some free throws. So, like, you started to see the, like, version of Poku as an NBA player mm-hmm. and not whatever that those first 17 games were. So that play, first- I, I, I do want to put this play on here because this is, this, this, is this is separate from, like, pre, um, pre-G League Poku, but this is a okay. Poku play that might make the Rebuild and Replenish Hall of Fame. I'm going to play the whole okay. thing real quick. Moving the ball so well. He's making now six straight starts, but over the five games that he has started, that time Roby sniffed out the alley-oop. But Wiggins shooting at 60%. There's a block by Pokashevsky. Now he leaks out. Caught the pass, and he botched the reverse slam. And he makes up for it by committing a turnover. What does he do here? He goes in for the one-handed easier slam. You know what we call that? That's two for a dollar. He's got... Do you remember that play? I was at that game. Yeah, I was gonna say like I remember like where I was. For yeah, because that. that was that was also the game where Giddy got like the youngest triple double. Yeah, that was his first triple double. And yes, that Poku play and the the reaction of the cloud, crowd, which you can't like totally hear it in that clip, but it was so funny because like people were genuinely laughing when he missed the dunk, and for it to turn that quick with him getting the steal and going back down and dunking it. I mean, it was like a it was like a short film. It was a short film. <laughs> it really it was amazing. Was like a short film. Um, okay, I guess my I'm still frozen. Could be, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, I don't know what's going on with my internet. This was a d- complete disaster for me yesterday because this happened yesterday, like right when I was hopping on to do the low post, and then I had to move into my kitchen, and then a fly was on my face during seventy percent of the podcast. And so you can go watch that on YouTube. It's it's an absolute joy. Um, okay. Uh, the la- last thing, real quick. Yeah. Last thing before I leave. So I actually went back through Twitter to see like what we were tweeting about Poku during that time. Mm-hmm. And oh no, I actually didn't find any. I, I assumed we would like be like making fun of him because it was so ridiculous. Uh, that was not really what I found. In fact, I found a very positive Thunder fan base that was like really trying to encourage Poku along. Oh, good. Uh, which kind of makes sense when you think about like who else was on the roster. Like we didn't have a lot. Like we, we had a lot invested in Poku that season because we had just traded two picks to move up to get him. And he was kind of like the first exciting young prospect that we had. You know, obviously Bays and Dort were there, but they almost felt like part of the team at that point because they had played in playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, Poku was like the first real prospect that we had added it's true. And so it was all very encouraging. But I found this tweet from Nikias Duncan Oh, on January 28th. This is before he went down to the G League. So this is in the middle of this. And Nikias tweeted, it's ugly right now, but I really think Poku is going to be good, lol. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, 
even even smart NBA people were taking notice, even in the midst of how bad it was those first 17 games, we could still see the flashes. And I think that tweet is kind of proof of that. Yeah, that's amazing. That is so funny. Lol. Um, okay. My my first submission is is kind of twofold. One, it's it's Giddy's first summer league performance, which was like roughly 30 seconds and he had a dunk and then he hurt his ankle and then the summer league team just unravels because there's just not a lot of interesting things going on which eventually led to the amazing thursday podcast that if you were listening at the time you know what i mean when i say the thursday podcast it was alex had become unhinged about where the Thunder were going. And it was for, for good reason. For great reason, because it was a miserable summer league. Um, and so I brought up a couple moments that I'll play for you guys right now from <laughs> that particular podcast, <laughs> which I think, I think maybe the giddy ankle injury in summer league and the Thursday podcast could be their own individual submissions. But, anyways, here's, uh, here's one of those clips. As we go through this process, I don't want to be the sober voice. What do you want to be? <laughs> I want to be invested. I want to be emotional about this team. I don't want to just like <laughs> turn my brain off and just like kind of zone out for the next two years as we wait. I'm not for turning my brain off. I'm not turning my brain off at all. I think you're turning your brain off. <laughs> well, how am I turning dead. my brain off? I'm, I'm not brain dead. <laughs> it's just a little taste. <laughs> And the, what that show was. And to be clear, like the reason why I was so pissed yeah. was because the second half of that season was, you know, they shut SGA down or yeah. SGA's hurt. Yeah. They shut Al Horford down. And yeah. it is some of the worst basketball that I've ever seen. It was really bad. It was and, really, really bad. And you in particular had to be there in person, which this is like COVID times when there's no fans. So it's even probably worse in person. There's like no interaction from the crowd. It was it was a time to be there. <laughs> it was a weird time. Yeah. And so we get through that and it's like, okay, now's the big payoff. And we fall to six. And then we draft a guy that you and I hadn't even talked about the Thunder drafting until we had that podcast with Ben Pfeiffer. Uh-huh. And then we find we talk ourselves into it, get excited, and then yeah. he turns his ankle within like 30 seconds. And so then at that point. You know, the rest of the Thunder fan base, who's much more uh, optimistic and positive than me, is, is try, trying to get excited about Aaron Wiggins, who at that time was like the 55th pick. And I was just so pissed that I just watched all of that <laughs> basketball, knowing that we were tanking, knowing that there's going to be this payoff. And instead, I'm spending my summer with people trying to talk me into getting excited about a 55th pick, who ironically <laughs> enough would go on to be like one of my favorite players on the team. Right. But at the time, I just like did not want to hear it. I was like, I don't care about a 55th player. We could have done that and just been good this year. We could have gotten a 55th pick. <laughs> so that's why I was so like pissed about that injury. It just like ruined my summer. Well, and then the like, and the, Poku didn't play. Poku, Poku did not play. In Poku summer didn't play. He was he was working. He was working out. They didn't want to interrupt his uh, his upper body building. Um, yeah. During that, and it's also like in the background too. Like you see how good. Like Jalen Green was amazing in that summer league, 
and looked yeah. like maybe the best player in the draft. And Cade played really well. And like guys like Josh Christopher looked really good in the summer league that year. So like you see the Rockets, and it felt like the Rockets and the Pistons had like somehow jumped the thunder in like rebuilding yeah, yeah. that summer just because of the way their rookies looked in summer league. And so yeah, there was geez. like there's like a lot of frustration just around all of that too for Jalen Green was 24 and 2 on 51 53 93 <laughs> splits. Dude, he was unreal in that summer league. I th- people thought he was going to come in and be like the star of that rookie class. God, Desmond Bain, he was 24 4 and 4 on 48 69 from 3, 69% from 3 and 75% from the line. Wow. Uh yeah, so like you just watch terrible basketball and then you're watching all these guys for other teams just like go off and you're like, ooh, I love that cut that Aaron Wiggins just made. <laughs> and it's like, I am going insane. <laughs> uh, here's another clip from, from that uh, wonderful Thursday pod. Last draft was like, I'm stopped being excited. I'm not going to be excited about picks anymore because until I see something with them, <laughs> what, I just have to like hope Hope it's going to turn out. Like, what do you? What's the? What's the alternative, Al? Like, what's well, the alternative? I'm just saying that I'm not going to be like Goo Goo Gaga every time Sam Presti trades for a first round pick in the future. Like, who cares? Like, do something with them, and then I will be excited. And then we this can. This is look. draft number one. And Al. Then like, I don't understand. Back. Like, I don't understand why you have dropped off a cliff so like so crazily. Like, I don't. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure it out. I have not dropped off a cliff. I'm just saying that. I don't have to like, like I don't have to trust in Presti. I don't have to like completely buy into this. I can criticize it and critique it as we go, and could end up being totally wrong. But I don't see yeah. like what's interesting I mean, about just. It's so good. I so listened mad. to it yesterday. It's so good. <clears throat> I laugh like I laughed out loud. And I don't laugh out loud while I listen to podcasts usually, but I was laughing out loud at so many of our conversations during that show. And if I if I remember, and this is how those podcasts usually go, is that like I didn't necessarily prepare we didn't prepare to have that conversation. We didn't, no. It just happened in the moment. Yeah. I just then, got I had just gotten home from summer league and like we needed to do a pod because I had was like traveling all day Wednesday, I think. And so yeah. it was just like I got home, like it was Thursday. All right, we need to get a show in. Like let's let's just talk about summer league and, and then you just get assaulted cause. for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it is so worth your time to go listen to it. But I I submit that particular show to the Hall of Fame, and I think it's great. One, once we establish like the the number of nominations and actually induct them into these the Hall of Fame similar to the rice to Ricky Sanchez, we'll have a shirt that has all of these things listed on the back. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, so the rebuild and replenish hall of fame. If you want to submit, you can, I think both of our DMS are open. Yes. Yeah. Or you can just tweet at us, uh, just send over your ideas. Yeah. Send us your ideas and yeah, you feel free to just send them in a tweet or a DM either way. It's great. So, but yeah, I think this is going to be a fun reoccurring segment for the rest of the summer. That'll, that'll kind of help us get through. And then we'll have like an episode where we will like induct all of the ones that matter and then we'll enshrine them 
in a, in a down to dunk shirt in some way. So, uh, okay. I guess I'm still frozen. I don't know. I don't look frozen to myself, but I think I am frozen to everybody else and I don't know why. So, uh, okay. Anything else before we go, Al? Um, no, there's nothing going on. There's nothing going life. on oh, in my I'm life. I'm about to be a bachelor for a week. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to go to the movies all day. Nice. Day. Nice. Got a lot of movies to see. Uh, there are a lot of movies out right now. I know. It's great. What are you, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, I actually really want to see the new Mission Impossible. Yeah. I love the Mission Impossible movies. I will definitely go see Oppenheimer. And uh, I still haven't seen the new Wes Anderson movie, Astro City. Yeah. I will probably go ahead and see Barbie because why not? Uh, got nothing else to do. And uh, I don't know. If anything new comes out, I'll probably Did see Did you that. see Across the Spider-Verse yet? No, I haven't seen that. I would be interested in seeing that. Yeah. I got a ton. There's a lot. Some movies. There's some movies. Uh, okay. We will be back Friday and we'll have a, we'll talk about the plan for next week. Hopefully I fix my internet issues. <laughs> But then, uh, if you haven't listened to The King's Reign, which is our LeBron uh, podcast, um, little documentary thing that we've made, it's really good. It's really fun. And I, I'm i the host of it, but I have very little to do with the rest of it. But it's very, very good. There was an, an episode that has Bill Hader on it, um, where he talks about um, you know acting with LeBron, and it's, it is fascinating it's very very good um so yeah go go listen to that there's one that has eric spolster on it talking about um lebron which is also wonderful so please go listen to that i hope you guys have a great day and we will talk to you guys again on friday As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.